Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church New Bern podcast. My name is Paul Scott Chernitsky, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined again this week by my co-host, the Reverend Dr. Anna Pinkney Strait, or we just call her Anna. <laughs> it, it is, in fact, my name. Hey, Anna, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? I'm great. It's another Sunday in ordinary time. Uh, you're probably hearing this uh, maybe the day after the July 24th sermon. I love Ordinary Time. Ordinary Time is pretty cool. We're in our summer sermon series where we're hearing different readings from the Bible throughout the summer here. That when we talk about them, these are verses and parts of the Bible that we don't normally talk about. They're not part of the common lectionary. Did I say all that right? You did, but it's revised common lectionary. Revised common lectionary. Well, what's uh, what's uh, what's <laughs> it about this week? Daniel chapter three, and I will confess that when I started planning the series, I picked sort of excerpts from scripture and inevitably for the last several weeks, as I've gotten into it, I've added more and more verses. So today we're hearing, or yesterday in church, they heard the entire chapter three of Daniel. Uh, I thought you were going to burst into song. Well, um, I'm showing restraint because it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and King Nebuchadnezzar and the musical that I performed in as a child and then was a part of a church that did this a couple of times over 10 years. It's cool in the furnace. Um, I wish we could have video or audio of you seeing this performance back then, but it probably doesn't exist. Um, I am grateful that it does not. I was at, went to choir camp in the summer when I was growing up, and this was what we performed, and I was King Nebuchadnezzar, and I had to shout that the furnace needed to be seven times hotter. Seven times hotter. Yes. Uh, wow. Uh, I was just, it took me forever to practice the names. Shadrach, that song would help, though. That We, just, we probably can't sing it on here. We'll probably get That copyright. would probably be a copyright yeah, because it is. but I'm thinking uh, it. Yes, but which is exactly why these musicals and Sunday school lessons are so important because these names, it helps kids learn them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, but also these are distinctive names, which was a part of the story of the time and how they told them and why it was memorable. You uh, mentioned that this story is like <laughs> in popular culture, other places too, right? What'd you say in the sermon? I remember. Some. Yeah. Louis Armstrong sings a song about Shadrach. Um, I've heard from other people. They heard, they knew this story from a song that was sung by Patty Sandy. Um, so yes. Yeah, so this is actually a story that's very much in popular culture, but it's not a part of the revised common lectionary. And also, even if it were, we'd probably get a snippet. And I think it's such a treat to get to read the whole chapter, because as you heard, there's, it's a story and you, you really don't, you miss out if you don't hear the whole thing because they're lists and repetition and the, the names are repeated like 40 times. There's definitely some rhythm to the, the and cadence to the, uh, the words. Cause you were, you're really going in the recording. It's fun. Um, also I was thinking, uh, this week, you know, we're getting ready for Marin's big thing. Um, I've kind of been in denial about that. We're all in a little bit in denial. Um, I actually, we just pre-recorded early her final sermon, which she'll be giving on the 31st at the 10 a.m. service. 
Uh, there's some party going on after that. What's going on after that? There is. We are going to have a worshipful honoring of her during the worship service at 10. And then afterwards, we're having a reception. We're assuming the weather is going to be perfect. Um, Marin will likely not hear this podcast um, because she'll be in church. But um, but there's going to be a bouncy house um, as a surprise because she loves it when there are things for the kids. So there's going to be a bouncy house. We're going to have cake. We're going to have punch and just a chance to celebrate and be joyful because um, there is much to celebrate. As sad as we are about her leaving, there is much to celebrate. We talked, um, it'll be in the podcast that's happening. You'll have it next week because we mm-hmm. just recorded it. But we reminisced a little bit, her and I, about uh, <laughs> in that podcast about uh, starting the virtual stuff. Um, and I know you did that on your own too. And we all have stories about how uh, interesting that was right to start, but Marn and I really, uh, figured it all out together. And so we talk about that in next week's, uh, podcast. So, um, yeah. 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 I, I did that all on my own in West Virginia. I have told you before about the time that I recorded the entire service on my phone in slow-mo. If you're ever sad, just think of <laughs> the fact that Anna recorded an entire <laughs> service. She was by herself. Probably it was probably getting dark. Yes. She probably worked all day. Yeah. And uh-huh. I was probably setting up the phone and the tripod. All it, of it. I mean, all that stuff that I, that by the way, it takes me 45 minutes to set up uh, for the, for our recordings for YouTube. Yeah. And so Anna's doing all this by herself. And then the poor thing gets behind the, the pulpit and does the whole sermon. Yes. And I have contraptions and props. Oh, I mean, I have things to put the phones on and, and then nothing's level. And, and, uh, yeah, and then that. and then um, if you have a cell phone, you you might have noticed in your photo video settings you can set it to slow mo. And I do this with kids at school a lot. And I tell the kids, I say, kids, listen, if you hit record in slow mo, you better only leave it recording for like ten seconds because it's going to be in slow mo. So that ten seconds is quickly going to become sixty seconds instantly. And you recorded an entire sermon. Yeah. Yeah. And then I couldn't figure out why it wouldn't load onto the computer. It was taking it forever. And and then, I mean, I'd, I'd taken my robe off. I'd taken the contraptions down because, you know, I've done. I'm done. It's a good it's a good take. And I had to go start all over. Do it again. How grateful are we for you that you set these things up? I mean, I still have to get the sermon ready and I have to do all of those things. But you worry about light levels and snapping and dings and whether the pulpit is two bajillionths of a centimeter off and the recording never have you had me redo something because you recorded it in slow-mo you've also got 14 cameras on us so that we do have have a a backup we, we have a little camera in training we we do so how it is lovely and thank you you let me focus on the things i'm supposed to focus on like shadrach meshach and abednego well you're welcome and we can also again thank marin for yeah all those times uh recording her because that's why i said i said you know each time especially in the early days of recording i was tweaking this and tweaking that and all that stuff's now far behind us and some for some reason I'm still tweaking things. I'm always tweaking the podium. But y'all got it started. And and that is a huge, a huge effort for which this congregation is grateful. And for both of you. Wow. But you're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere, guys. Yeah. I'm still here. And uh yeah, we're having fun. So everyone, have a great week. Enjoy this sermon about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abed to go. Abed Abed Nigo. Abed Nigo. That's pretty I'm getting better. You're great. You got it. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Let us pray.
God, we trust that you have our best interests at heart. As we hear the reading of your word, remind us that we have been raised with Christ and inspire us to seek the things that are above, the things that are in your love and wisdom. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading for today is the third chapter of the book of Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar made a golden statue whose height was 60 cubits and whose width was six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent for the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to assemble and to come up to the dedication of the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces assembled for the dedication of the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. When they were standing before the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, the herald proclaimed loudly, You are commanded, O people, nations and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and entire musical ensemble, you are to fall down and worship the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of flaming fire. Therefore, as soon as all peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and entire musical ensemble, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Accordingly, at this time, the Chaldeans came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and entire musical ensemble shall fall down and worship the golden statue. And whoever does not fall down and worship the shall be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews that you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These pay no heed to you, O king. They do not serve your gods, and they do not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Then... King Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. And so they brought those men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and you do not worship the golden statue I have set up? Now, if you are ready... When you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, an entire musical ensemble to fall down and worship the statue that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, and we will not worship the statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with such furious rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face was distorted. He ordered the furnace heated up seven times more than was customary and ordered some of the strongest guards to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So the men were bound, still wearing their tunics, their trousers, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was so overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up quickly. He said to his counselors, was it not three men we threw bound into the fire? They answered the king, true, O king. He replied, but I see four men unbound walking in the middle of the fire and they are not hurt. And the fourth has the appearance of a god. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their tunics were not harmed, and not even the smell of fire came from them. Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. They disobeyed the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than worship and serve a God other than their own God. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that utters blasphemy against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the 2021 movie, Belfast, written and directed by Kenneth Branagh, we get a cinematic glimpse into the early days of the battles between the Protestants and the Catholics in Ireland. It's 1969 in his movie, and it is set in a neighborhood where we get to see families and children who are growing up and wrestling with this conflict. Specifically, Buddy who is about six or seven years old. He is Protestant, 
but cannot fathom why there is a conflict, why he is not supposed to play with his neighbors. Truth be told, neither can his parents, but the conflict is there and they have to deal with it. At one very dramatic point in the movie, a mob comes along and sweeps Buddy up into its midst. They go on to begin looting a Catholic-owned grocery store in their neighborhood. Buddy does not want to be there. Buddy knows he should not be there. He cries out as soon as they gather him up that he asks to go home. He says he wants to go home. He pleads that they would let him go home. But very soon it becomes evident that he will not be released until he has participated in some way, until he has taken something from the store. And so terrified, not wanting to be there. He grabs the only thing that he can think that his family might need and he runs. He runs home and bursts into his house to announce to his mother, mom, we're looting the grocery store. Here's what I brought you. And he holds out a box of laundry powder. He says, mom, it's biological quoting what he had heard in the commercial on the television. His mother is furious, furious that he has participated in this violence in any way. And so she wastes no time. She grabs her coat. She grabs her son by the nape of his neck and she marches him out of the house, down the street, back to the store to return what he had taken. She takes her son through the mob, through the smoke, through the debris, back to the store that is now bare and destroyed and demands that he put that box back on the shelf. They emerge from this part of the conflict, physically unscathed. It's a funny moment in the movie. It's tender. It's a moment when it is so clear what is right and what is wrong. There is pure clarity and everybody is on the same page. It's something, quite frankly, that rarely happens in the real world. And why this is a delightful scene in a movie and not something we experience often in real life. The dramatic story of the third chapter of Daniel is kind of like that. It is more of a cinematic tale about something that happened. It is a cinematic version of some events that happened. It is exaggerated. It is dramatic. It's supposed to be a little bit funny with the lists of all the officials and the lists of the instruments. There is repetition, there is rhythm, the dramatic size of the statue to begin with. All of this curated to make a story that is really good to tell. It's a text that is not included in our revised common lectionary, and yet I imagine many of the people in worship, many of the people who are watching this, know the story of Nebuchadnezzar and the fiery furnace and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's taught in Sunday schools. You might have heard Louis Armstrong sing about it, or Patty Sandy. You might have either been in or seen several times the children's musical that tells this story. It's cool in the furnace. But it's good to visit the original text 
and see how it unfolds and not just how other people have talked about it. Here in the original text, we find a story that is supposed to have happened around the 6th century BCE. But scholars, through studying the language, have concluded that it was actually written and told sometime around the 2nd century BCE. Why is that important? Because we know that in the 2nd century BCE, the Jewish community was being ruthlessly terrorized and persecuted by the Roman ruler of the time, Antiochus IV Epiphanes. He was ruthlessly persecuting the Jews, demanding that they convert from their religion and killing many who didn't. That was the world that the people who would have heard this were living in. And so this story, as well as others in Daniel, were meant to instruct and encourage people, children of God, who were living in circumstances where their very faith could get them killed. And it's a good instruction about how to avoid idols. What to do if we are presented an idol to worship? Only I can't help but wish that our idols were as easy to spot. The golden statue that Nebuchadnezzar builds of himself is 60 cubits high. That's 90 feet tall. That's taller than our steeple. It's the height of two brachiosauruses on top of each other. It's as tall as the original Cape Hatteras lighthouse. This is a huge statue. It's easy to avoid an idol when it's that massive and huge and in your way. I cannot help but wish that the idols of our world were as easy to spot. Our idols, our bank accounts, maybe some constitutional amendments, the myth of control, denial of interconnectedness, we have idols in our lives, but maybe, maybe the idols weren't so easy to spot in their time either. Maybe that's why the story is told that way, so that if we know that there are idols, we can look for them where they aren't so easy to spot, so that we can all pay closer attention, lest these sneaky idols take root in our hearts and our lives, anything that causes us to place something before the one God. So maybe we're not that different after all. Another point that the author of this story is clear to communicate is that we are called to follow God and that following God doesn't mean that everything will work out the way we want it to. When the king challenges Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with putting them in a furnace, what they say is not that their God will save them. They say that our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. But even if he does not, even if our God does not deliver us from the furnace, we will still not worship your God. We will still not bow down to your statue, even if things don't turn out the way we want them. Many years ago, I met a church member in the hallway before worship one Sunday morning who asked me about the health of another church member who happened to be in the hospital. And they said, will they be okay? And I paused because I wasn't really sure what to say. What I knew was that this person's health was not good. 
and it wasn't at all clear if they were going to recover, but I also didn't have permission to share that. So I stumbled for a moment and then finally said, well, yes, yes, they are going to be okay because we all rest in the arms of God. In life and in death, we belong to God. So I can't tell you what's gonna happen in the next few weeks, what the next few weeks will bring for your friend, but I can answer your question with yes, they are going to be okay. To follow through with what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say when they are in the furnace and there is a fourth present there, we know that they are not alone, just as we are not alone. And we are told that when they do go in the furnace, there is a fourth person there. Later on, King Nebuchadnezzar refers to it as an angel, but in the moment, they're not described as an angel. It says, they appear like a son of gods. And the language about what happens in the furnace describes it as a worship service and that God is with them, the one God. It is a powerful reminder for all of us that we are not alone through the fire, through the valley, to the mountain, gathered at the river. We do not walk alone. God is with us. Finally, what sticks with me is something that happens at the end of this text, which is a little bit surprising. King Nebuchadnezzar, who is not the hero of this story, he is a character in this tale. He's not even one specific king. He's sort of an amalgamation of several kings, but he's not the hero. But what does he do? What does he do after all of this happens and he sees what happens with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace, or rather what doesn't happen? He changes his mind. He's converted. He moves forward differently. And that's a pretty unique thing to happen particularly when you think about our world, where we don't like to admit that we're wrong. Well, I won't speak for you. I don't like to admit it when I'm wrong. The New York Times published an editorial this week that's entitled, I Was Wrong, and they invite eight different opinion writers to share moments, times in recent past when they've made a mistake and what they've learned from it. I was intrigued as I read them but also not surprised to find that many of them hedged their bets. They wrote sort of about how they were wrong, but also many of them took time to point out about how they'd actually in the bigger picture been right, even if they'd been wrong about one particular aspect. They aren't alone. We, most of us, don't like to admit that we're wrong. Karen Schultz wrote a whole book about this idea, a book entitled Being Wrong. She also has a wonderful TED talk about it if you'd like to watch it. She writes that this is something that happens when we feel challenged. She said, a challenge to one's belief can make a person move from non-committal to evangelical in milliseconds. In other words, what happens most often when we realize or when it points out, when someone points out that we're wrong, Instead of admitting it, we dig in, and we are more convinced than ever than we're right. Her premise is that we freak out at the possibility that we've gotten something wrong, because according to this, getting something wrong means that there's something wrong with us. So instead, we insist that we're right, because it makes us feel smart and responsible, 
and virtuous and safe. Of all the things we're wrong about, this idea of error might be top of our list. It's our meta-mistake. We're wrong about what it means to be wrong. Far from being a sign of intellectual inferiority, the capacity to err is crucial to human cognition. Far from being a moral flaw, it is inextricable from some of our most humane and honorable qualities, empathy, optimism, imagination, conviction, and courage. And far from being a mark of indifference or intolerance, wrongness is a vital part of how we learn and change. Thanks to error, we can revise our understanding of ourselves and amend our ideas about the world. Nebuchadnezzar changes his mind. He admits that he had been wrong about demanding that they serve and worship the statue he had made. And that's what God is all about, isn't it? God is about transformation and change and liberation and salvation, starting with us. And that begins by recognizing that we need these things, that we are more like Nebuchadnezzar in most situations than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The good news is that our God is the God of Nebuchadnezzar too. Our God is the God of all of us. Just like we were reminded last week with Rahab, we need each other. And whether or not it is cool in the furnace for you right now or hot in the summer sun, there is no place we can go where God is not. For people who are wrong and for people who stand strong, for people who wonder and people who wander. In other words, for all of us. All of us who are going to be okay. Thanks be to God for the courage of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Nebuchadnezzar. Thanks be to God. Amen.
leave today with words from the Reverend Steve Garness Holmes. God does not see you according to your performance, according to how well you've done. God sees you with pure love, with perfect compassion. So throw away the dirty rags of sin, dry the tears of shame. There is only delight, there is only blessing. Behold that love, receive that compassion, rest in that embrace. Let it become you. Let us go in grace and peace. Alleluia. Amen.